book of Colossians, picking up where we left off last week. So we're in chapter 2, and uh, the verses that I'm going to cover today are verses 6 and 7 of chapter 2. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. That is the word of the Lord. Amen. So, we as a group of uh, teachers and preachers have been teaching on Paul's ministry to the church, specifically in Colossae. And um, his ministry to the church, or at least the teaching of it, began chapter 1. And uh, if, if you want a verse, it really began in verse 24. In fact, if you have a Bible, there's subtitles in some versions of the Bible. Mine's an ESV, and it says, Paul's ministry to the church. Well, it starts in verse 24, but continues on basically to verse uh, the second chapter, uh, verse 5 of the second chapter. Now, here in verse 6 of chapter 2, we see a transition in his writing. And he transitioned to warn the church about accepting and submitting to false teachings that were threatening the unity of the believers there in Colossae. Now, earlier in the letter, I think it's interesting that Paul takes the time to really address these false teachings and to kind of set up exactly where he's going to end up going uh, for, the, for the main purpose of this letter. Because the main purpose of the letter is to warn the believers there about this false teaching and to, to, to stop it in its tracks. So you can see where Paul is, where his mind is at least, and, and his purpose behind this letter, all the way back to chapter 1. There, Paul prayed in verse 9 that they be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. He also says in verses 9 and 10 that they walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. This continues his prayer. He says he prays that they bear fruit and also that they increase in the knowledge of God. And then Paul finally prays in verse 11 that they be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Now, the reason why I bring those up now is because I want us to notice how much of Paul's prayer and also how much of their defense against the enemy is founded on the knowledge of God. Because that's exactly what Paul points back to in this letter several times. Uh, you, you, you must understand, you must come to know, you must have this knowledge of God that is required for life and for godliness. It, it can't be something that we skip over, that Paul continually comes back to being, for them to be founded in the knowledge of God, which is Christ Jesus as Lord. Now, here in our verses, verses 6 and 7, Paul expands on this, and he teaches about being rooted in Christ, and that's what I want to take a closer look at. 
But I do want to set up the context. I think context is extremely important. Otherwise, you know, we could, we could make this passage seem whatever it, it, it is. And I, I want to show you that um, here Paul is focusing on the knowledge of Christ as Lord. And, and his, his focus is on them to, um, to really focus on this knowledge in order to combat the false teachings around them. For the past four sermons, we've preached on Paul's ministries to the church, or his ministry to the church. And now for the next five sermons, we're going to preach on Paul's warning against false teachers. Now, Paul warned the church about false teachers who were gaining ground within their church. And we see he prayed several times up before to this point. Uh, Even in chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, Paul prayed that they would be encouraged, knit together, and then also that they would grow in the knowledge of, of God. I want to read those verses to you. He says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those in Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged. Here's the prayer part. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance, listen to this, of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. And then he expands on that, which is Christ. So that's his prayer, uh, that, that they come to this knowledge of him, uh, that their hearts be encouraged, that they be knit together in love. Uh, and then he also, in, verse, in chapter 2, he wanted them to grow in the knowledge of Christ so that they would not be deceived. Look at verse 4. It says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Now, those two verses are extremely important for the context of our verses here in 6 and 7. Delude means to be deceived. So Paul is saying in verse 4, I say this in order that no one may deceive you. When he speaks of plausible arguments, he means persuasive arguments. I do not want you to be deceived by persuasive arguments. There are some who are completely confident in what they teach, and they make you think that it is right, even though you know in your heart and your mind it is not. And they come across so sly, they come across so educated that you sit there and you think, well, wait a second. It, it, is, that, is that right or not? Paul says, don't be deceived by persuasive arguments. See, we must see that this is the scheme of the devil. We know that he is a liar. In fact, every word that comes out of his mouth are lies. He is the father of lies. He deceives and he persuades people to sin against God. Those two things he is an expert of. That's why Paul says, don't let anybody deceive you with persuasive language. Now, we know the devil does this because Jesus has warned us about this, but this is, if we look at his, at his life, this is who he is. He did this in the garden. He deceived Eve and he persuaded her to eat of the fruit and of the tree and sinned and and so did Adam and so did mankind and we know the rest of the story 
he did this throughout the Old Testament. He did this throughout the New Testament. The only one whom he couldn't deceive was Christ. That's it. That's why he is Lord and Savior. Now, in Colossians chapter 2, as far as the whole chapter and what we're going to get into in this chapter, Paul further warned the church against the false teachings against, of, of philosophy, of legalism, and of mysticism. And we're going to go into each one of those topics. So I bring all this up just so that we can see from context, from the context of this verse, and also the context of the surrounding verses. It is clear that Paul here is warning the church in Colossae to guard themselves against false teachers. And in these two verses, they, they set up an introduction into this section. And, and in these two verses, Paul provides the number one defense against the schemes of the enemy. And that number one defense goes back to Christ. You see, our number one defense against the scheme of the enemy or the schemes of the enemy is to know Christ Jesus as Lord. That's it. That, that's, it's so, it sounds so simple. But yet we forget to go back to that day after day. See, the reason why Christ is so important is because, number one, uh, he, he's the greatest gift that we have. Him being Lord shows us that. And that's the first point that I want to cover. Christ is the greatest gift of all time. I, I think back at all of the Christmases I've had as, as a child and as an adult. And one of the, or the best gift that I ever received is my Huffy Bicycle with a red banana seat. Kids nowadays don't know anything about that. Uh, had the streamers on the side that came down. Also had red tires, because my brother and I, we were close to the, well, we weren't close to the same age, but we were close to the same size. I was younger, but a little overgrown. And he had a Huffy bicycle with a blue banana seat and blue tires. Mine was a Huffy bicycle with red banana seat and red tires. And to this day, that is the one gift that I, I always go back to in my mind as far as like my, the, all the Christmases we've celebrated. Uh, surely I've had gifts that, are, that, are, that were worth more, but that one just keeps on coming back. I just remember that being the first bike I ever got, that's the first bike that I learned how to ride a, a two-wheel bicycle. Uh, there's just a lot of memories. I rode that thing until it just could not ride anymore. It was retired. But nothing, nothing we have received on this side of heaven will ever surpass the gift of grace that we receive in Christ Jesus. Paul reminded the Christians in Colossae about this precious gift from God. Notice how he starts off here in verse 6. He says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. 
That's the reason why I bring up the gift part and why I say Jesus is the greatest gift because Paul says here that we received Christ Jesus as Lord. We received him. It's the greatest gift we could ever receive. Now, the question I have when I first read the passage and I start to try to really understand it and and, and understand it in a way that I can communicate it to you is that how did they, how did the Christians in Colossae receive Christ Jesus as Lord? Well, it's the same way you did, through the hearing of the gospel. Romans 1, verses 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, Paul says, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. And it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. See, to fight against false teachings, they were told to remember the true gospel that they received when God saved them. That, that's, that's it. That's all Paul says. Therefore, warning them about everything that's going on. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. Paul commands them to walk in that truth that they received. To walk here means to live consistently by or according to. So yes, as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, as you receive the gospel that was taught to you, that showed you that he was Lord, so walk in that gospel. Live consistently in that gospel. Christians often think that in order to defend their faith, they must know everything about every false religion out there. And that's why it's so intimidating sometimes to talk to somebody who is questioning our faith. Well, one of the foundational principles of apologetics is not that you know everything about every false teaching out there, but that you know the hope that is in you. That's what we need to know, first and foremost. Does it help you to understand where other people are coming from, what they're thinking? Yes, it does. But you don't go outside studying that without first knowing the hope that is in you. If you have full knowledge and assurance of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then you'll be able to fight against any false teaching. It is the knowledge of the gospel that grounds us and also protects us against everything and anyone who attempts to deceive us. And that is why the gospel is so important to Christians before and after salvation. We, we do not give up the gospel when we become a Christian we grow and seek to know the gospel even more after salvation. So that is the first thing that we have to see that Paul is pointing these Christians to. Therefore, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. We have to be reminded of the gospel. We have to grow in the knowledge of the gospel. Why? Well, because it is the gospel that 
roots us and it built us up in Christ. And that's where Paul comes, that's what Paul gets into next. Paul tells them that if they walk in him, if they walk in Christ and his teachings, they will be rooted and built up in him. I, I love that phrase. When you look at those two words, though, they mean two different things. To be rooted and to be built up in him speak of two different uh, things that God accomplishes within the believer. First of all, to be rooted means to be firmly established. The first thing that we think of, at least I do, is, is, is a big tree, right? A tree that is rooted in the ground. A tree that, though outside influences come and go, the tree stands firm, firmly planted in the ground. The last hurricane that we stayed in town for was Hurricane Claudette. That was a long time ago. And I remember during that storm, we were in the house, and wind was blowing like crazy, and... Um, you, you, you're looking out the window, and you see the trees. Never seen anything like it since. We had a, a lot of young trees on our property, so they were very bendy. And, and the, the wind was blowing the trees down to where uh, the tops of the trees were, were almost touching the ground. They were just going like this, back and forth, back and forth. That really just really opened my eyes to the power of the wind. But these young trees, none of them, there were plenty of trees that, that toppled over, but none of the trees in our property at the time toppled over. They were firmly planted in the ground. And it was, it was very interesting to see these trees. They were, they, were, they were pushed to the limit. They seemed like they were going to break, but they just kept on going back and forth. It reminds me of us when we are firmly planted in God's word. There are all sorts of outside influences. There are all sorts of attacks from the enemy that, that push us to our limit, but yet we are still firmly established. And it is not anything that we've done. We can't take the credit for that. It's because God has planted us firmly in Christ. He has planted us firmly in his word. The word that we received when we became a Christian. See, when the Christian receives Christ Jesus as Lord, then he or she is firmly planted by God to withstand all the schemes of the devil. Listen to this passage out of Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and and night. You see, the, there's a reference again to the knowledge of his law, the knowledge of God's word, the knowledge of the gospel. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruits in its seasons, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. That's, I, I couldn't find a better illustration than what is in God's word about that. If we are quick to remember the truth that is in us, we will be able to dismiss or at least for sure question any falsehood that comes our way. That's what it means to be rooted in Christ. But what does it mean to be built up? Well, 
if we're going to take the word rooted, we're going to connect that with we, when we were established, when we heard the word of faith, when God changed our hearts. At that moment in time, we became rooted in Christ. And, and what, what does the Bible say about that? Well, anyone who comes to him will not be taken away from him. Those who truly receive Christ as Lord cannot be taken from him because they are protected both by the Son and the Father. So, so that word rooted means something that has happened to us at some point in time. We don't get re-rooted if that's a word. It's not a process that happens over and over and over again. It happens once and for all. We were rooted and firmly established. Well, God's not done with us because there is something that needs to happen. We need to grow after being rooted, and that's what built up means. It means to be constructed. And it points to a continual process that the believer experiences throughout his or her life. Well, this clearly speaks to the sanctification of the believer through the good, through the bad, and through the ugliness of life. God continually grows us through everything that we go through. The only reason why we can endure this process, because it is a process, sanctification is a process, spiritual growth is a process, and it's not always a fun process, it is a difficult process. Just like trees and plants have to be pruned, that's a difficult process. So our lives are pruned so that we can grow. The believer through everything grows in knowledge, in strength, and in conviction. The believer grows in Christ, and we are able to endure this process through our knowledge of Christ Jesus as Lord. That's it. Listen, if, if, if I did not have the knowledge of Christ being my Lord, I could not withstand the struggles that I have in this life. I could not do it. I'd give up. What's the use? What's the use? But no, that, that's not the point. The point is, oh yeah, I can do this, not through my own strength, but through the strength that Christ supplies. Yeah, right now what I'm going through is horrible, and, and it may not get better, and I have to be honest with myself, and I'm not saying this about myself, but I'm saying this about what we think from time to time. Life may not get better. This might be the best it gets, and I've gotten the shorter end of the stick here on this side of heaven. What's, what's the use? Well, well, your knowledge of Christ tells you what you are going through now pairs in comparison to what you will receive in Christ Jesus, right? So it fills you with hope. It doesn't matter what happens in this life. It's about the next life. That's what matters. The only way you get that knowledge is if you know Christ Jesus as Lord. Ephesians chapter 2 talks about this. Here's verse 20 through 22. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. 
Not only are we rooted when we come to know Christ as Lord, but we are built up, we are sanctified. God grows us. Praise be to God that he is the one who secures us and he is the one who builds us up in Christ Jesus. Now, here, here is something that we have to realize. It's tempting for us to take pride in our knowledge and our discernment against falsehoods. I think some, I mean, we know some struggle with that. Some struggle with they think they know a lot. That, that is a struggle. They think they know a lot. They're puffed up with pride. They think that they have this awesome discernment. They can catch any kind of evil uh, intent or, or evil teaching. But, so you have that side. But on the other side, you also see those who struggle being timid because they feel that they are not smart enough to answer the intellectual. It's like the opposite sides. One is puffed up with pride, and then the other one is, is just pushed down, pushed down with insecurities. Well, in actuality, we, should be, we shouldn't be on one side or the other of those. We should just rest in the knowledge and the faith we receive through the gospel of Christ. Let's not trust in our own knowledge. Let's not trust in our own power. But let's trust in Christ Jesus as Lord. That is what we need to walk in. That is what we need to live by. And I believe that's what Paul's point is here. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. As a result of walking in him, you will be rooted and built up in him. That's what we need to do. When we are rooted and we are built up in Christ, our faith is established. And that's what Paul gets to. You're rooted and built up in him, your faith, it will be established. Faith is such a difficult doctrine, concept, it's not something that you could just have a conversation with with an unbeliever and let them and like it's not something like here oh you think I'm wrong here I'm going to show you right uh, you know if you have a, an argument about some sort of statistic with somebody what do we all do oh let's google it and let's find out right I'm going to show you I'm right the faith doesn't work like that you can't just tangibly show somebody look here's my faith you need to believe this it's it's so difficult and I find that struggle even within myself, uh, how my faith wavers, so to speak. It doesn't ever flee, but it, it wavers. Uh, it's some days it's strong, some days it's weak in certain areas. And it's not like God has left me because the Bible tells us that once he is, once he is with us, he is in us, right? He's not going to leave us. So if it's not a God issue, it must be a me issue. If God has rooted me, and God has established me. He has done these things for me. Why do I still struggle with faith? Well, it's because when I am tempted, when I am tested, when I am tried, what I go to, what I run to matters. If I run to my own philosophies, 
if I run to my own knowledge, if I depend on my own power, then yeah, my faith is going to waver. I'm going to sit there and I'm going to wonder how I'm going to get out of this. What's going to happen to me or my family? I'm going to start having doubts. But if I run to the word that I received when I became a Christian, if I run to the word, the gospel of truth, I may have some different reactions. I, I, I may still struggle in faith, but you know what? The only reason why I'm going to struggle in faith is because the word's going to show me that I'm thinking about everything all wrong. It's going to show me my fault in the situation. I may struggle with other things, but eventually, if I continue to come back to that word, my faith will be established. Why? Because I am rooted and I am being built up in Christ, and, and so are you. Well, Paul continues on. says that receiving Christ will produce in them thanksgiving. See, Paul told the Christians in Colossae that if they walk in Christ, not only will they be rooted and built up in him, but they will also abound in thanksgiving. Now, that seems a little weird to me that this is put in with what he's been talking about, but after looking at this passage and, and, and trying to understand it in context, it makes a lot of sense and yeah, it just points to the genius that Paul was through Christ Jesus. The thanksgiving that Paul speaks of is, is found in the knowledge of Christ Jesus as Lord. And, and, and it's found in this way, that they were sinners saved by grace. That, that's the thanksgiving. Because that is the essential message of the gospel. Paul says, remember the word that you received. If you remember the word that you received, you'll be rooted built up and established, and you will walk in thanksgiving. Why? Because you will remember that you were sinners saved by grace. The fact that they didn't have to earn their salvation, they didn't have to work for their salvation, because it was fully accomplished by Christ on the cross. That is why when Jesus was on the cross, he said, it is finished. And then he breathed his last breath. The lies and false teachings that were prominent within that church stood in contradiction to this gospel truth. Especially the lies of legalism where they were being taught, no, you have to earn your salvation. Paul says, no, you're walking in thanksgiving because you've already been rooted. You are already being built up. God has already established you, so walk in thanksgiving. They were to be thankful of God's word. They were be, to be thankful that God's word was true. Christian, I want you to listen to me and listen to me very carefully here. No matter what you endure on this side of heaven, and there is a lot that we can endure. Right now, there's, there, there are things that people are going through in this church that are probably been the most challenging things they've ever faced. And, and, and because of these things, your faith 
has kind of been there sometimes and been lesser other times. But no matter what you endure on this side of heaven, you will always have Christ to be thankful for. Why? Because despite of what you are going through or what you've gone through, how life has worked out, he has saved you from the wrath of God. Be thankful for that. He has given you a true life and a true purpose. Be thankful for that. He has equipped you and strengthened you with everything you need for life and godliness. Be thankful for that. What he has started in you, he will bring to completion. Be thankful for that. You, you are rooted and built up in him and your faith is established. Be thankful for that. To me, that is such an encouraging, encouraging message for us to hear today. But I believe there's just a little more. One, more, one other thing that we have to consider. See, having the knowledge of Christ Jesus as Lord is important. With that knowledge, we are able to think through falsehoods. We're able to counter um, any kind of attack that is brought upon us. We're able to challenge these things. We're able to go back and, and talk to others about it. It, it, it equips us. The knowledge of God, the knowledge of Christ Jesus as Lord, the knowledge of the gospel, all the same things help us in this life. And, and, and I don't want to downplay that at all, but I do want to attach a warning to that. That, yes, knowledge is power, right? The more we know, the more we grow. I can continue on and on all the little different sayings that, that, that are out there concerning knowledge. But as a Christian, we have to consider something. Our Christian faith isn't all about knowledge. It's not. There are plenty of people who know a lot more than we do, and yet their lives do not glorify God. See, having the knowledge of Christ Jesus as Lord, without devotion to God's, without devotion to God is, is worthless. We must have both doctrine and devotion. Having knowledge alone without devotion, well, it's like faith and works. You see, if we are people of knowledge, but we don't lift a finger to serve others, then can we truly say we know God? Our knowledge of God should fuel our devotion to God. No matter what we are going through in life, that, that's part of being sanctified. We, 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 we go through something difficult. God shows us our faults. He shows us the truth. He shows us his holiness, his power. He shows us all of his good qualities. And because we come to find those things out, our devotion to the Lord grows. We see ourselves as more unworthy than we did before. We ask, why, why me, God? Why did you save me? There's nothing good in me. 
So the more we come to find out about God, the more our devotion grows. The more we go through hardship and heartache, the more our devotion grows towards God. Our doctrine of God should increase our devotion to God. If we're a bunch of people who walk around and we have an answer for everybody's problem, but yet we are not taking care of our own problems through the word, it's all we are is just someone who's sharing information. It's important that the same word that we preach to others that, that we follow ourselves. It'd be useless for me to come up here every Sunday or Pastor Laramie to come up here every Sunday, preach to you and show you where we're wrong, where we're right, all this stuff, break it all down. And then I go and just live the way I want to live. Or I, I, I don't serve the church. All I do is just sit up here or stand up here and, and, and preach and share information with you. Or for you, just to share information with others. So it's not only about what you know, but it's also about what you do with what you know. That's my prayer today. Yes, that we know Christ Jesus is Lord, because that is going to, that is what roots us, it is what builds us up, and it, it's what establishes our faith. That is what helps us against uh, attacks of the enemy, it helps us to defend ourselves against falsehoods. That's all extremely important. I pray that we come to know Christ Jesus is Lord, and we continue to know more. But I also pray that our knowledge of Christ increases our devotion to God. That we see our lives as a living sacrifice. And that we pour out ourselves, everything. Just, we just pour out ourselves in honor of him. I pray that every day we live on this side of heaven, we grow both in doctrine and devotion towards him. Let us pray.